0: Welcome to Our International Story, a podcast about international students. In this show, we will know more about struggles, achievements, and journey of inspiring international students from their home country to living and studying overseas. I'm your host, Freya, and this podcast also portrays my journey as an international student. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to Our International Story. Today, we're joined by Joseph Kolopodi. Joseph was born and raised in Brisbane in Australia. His first job was actually working as a journalist during the second year of his undergrad degree, which helped him understand the importance of sharing his voice with others. He is a World Economic Forum global shaper and a founder of Solve Squad and on the board of ARM Care, which assists young people from refugee and migrant backgrounds with access to medical services. He has worked alongside many charities and professional organizations. So without further ado, let's hear it from Joseph. Welcome to the show, Joseph.
1: Thank you for having me, Shreya.
0: Thank you. So first of all, can you share your story of growing up in Brisbane? How was it?
1: Yeah, it was great. I think it was a bit different when I was growing up um, back in the early 90s. It wasn't as multicultural, obviously. Uh, when my parents came over from, from South India, it was very different. But yeah, growing up as a young kid, I think um, it was very different and I had a lot of different experiences. But I think those challenges and opportunities definitely helped me to to do what I'm doing today.
0: That's awesome. So I know that you moved to India for a couple of years and you were involved in some of the projects there. So can you tell a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so when I moved back to India, it was my first time I had lived there by myself. So this was in early 2013. I was working with a non there. And um, I think a lot of the expectations going back to India was that it would be very familiar. I think just because I, I knew my cousins were there and my extended relatives as well. Um, but going back to India was almost like uh, experiencing reverse culture shock. It was very different from what I expected. In terms of obviously the language was different, the culture had changed, and yeah, even being back with with things that I thought would be familiar were were very different to my to my understanding of what India would be like. So it was uh, it was quite challenging actually, to be honest, when I when I started living there. But I think over time I got used to it. I really loved. Just living and working there and experiencing everything, which definitely helped my cultural understanding as well.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times people, they move from let's say, India to Australia and then they say it's a cultural shock and they had challenges. But right. it's, you know, hearing your experience, it's other way around as well. So what were some of the projects that you were involved in while you were in India? Because you worked with an, a charity organization and um, you had mentioned to me that you were involved in some of the projects. So what were those projects mainly about?
1: Yeah. So it was about a bit of different responsibilities when I was working with the nonprofit. It wasn't a typical nine to five job because, as you know, in India, they work quite long hours. So we were working in, I guess what you could say, a, a four purpose business or what we call the business as mission initiative. So basically, when we we're at the office, we were connecting with different partners and organizations from the nonprofit sector. And then on the weekends, I was actually given the responsibility to visit some of our partners. So we worked with big organizations like World Vision and Operation Mobilization, but also smaller ones, which were, I guess, what you would call the equivalent to a, a, a startup or a grassroots nonprofit. So we had a initiative as part of the business called uh, India Collaboration. And basically we connected with different organizations that were starting initiatives or had an idea to start a community enterprise or a non-profit or some sort of initiative that was serving the community need. So we were working in every state in India and my responsibility was basically to identify what the organization wanted to do in a particular community or village and then approve the grant for for either one to three year time period. So. It was a great experience I got to visit a lot of different cities and states across across India and yeah just see the need and meet with people and hear their stories so it was really great to to see that firsthand and obviously see the impact that was that was transforming the community in that particular location as well
0: So after a couple of years, you decided to move back to Australia and continue to do your impactful work that you had obviously started in India. And currently you are working as the World Economic Forum Global Shaper. So for those of us who are not aware of what it is about and what it does, can you tell a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, sure. So the World Economic Forum is basically an international network that was started uh, in Switzerland a few years ago. So basically, an economics professor by the name of uh, Dr. Karl Schwab had this idea that you know individuals could actually have an impact within a local level, and that could kind of have a ripple effect on the global state of affairs, especially when it comes to economics and, and different sectors of society. So a few years ago, when um, they, they realized that young people were doing Some really great work in different parts of the world, but they just didn't have connections or opportunities to other people in in other countries. So they started what they call Global Shaper Hubs. So there's about 400 Shaper Hubs across 150 countries now, and there's a Global Shaper Hub in every capital city here in Australia. So I'm part of the Brisbane Hub at the moment, and I've been part of the Hub for the last uh, three years.
0: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And I was following World Economic Forum Global Shapers Hub's work, and I noticed there are a lot of projects and initiatives that have come out of it, including the one Solve Squad that you're leading at the moment. So, how can international students benefit from the programs, including Solve Squad, and also other programs that that are being run by World Economic Forum Global Hubs?
1: So, at the moment, we've realized. I mean, the whole idea behind Solve Squad is to assist uh, young professionals or people who have been affected or impacted by COVID-19 due to restrictions or isolation. So we've we've realized a lot of people have a lot more time on their hands because they're working from home or they just have a lot of skills that they want to improve during this time that they're at home. So a lot of people, you know, they're looking for online courses or different ways that they can engage or connect online. So we basically came up with this idea, my team and I, with Solves Club, to basically act as a match service, an online uh, virtual volunteering service, where we connect individuals who can list their skills online using our platform, and then we connect them to organizations who have a particular need. So, for example, if an international student is taking a break from their studies or is studying something online and they want to use their knowledge and skills for a particular organization then they can sign up using the form on our website and then we connect them to an organization in their particular area so if they're an engineering student then we can connect them with an the engineering startup if they're an IT student we can connect them to a, a volunteering opportunity where they can use their IT skills to make a, a website for a business that doesn't have online presence and so on and so forth so yeah, we have a lot of organizations partnering with us at the moment, especially those are uh, run by young people, which has been really great because we've been able to really focus on online mentorship and education, especially at this time.
0: Yep, that's fantastic, and I wish I had something like this when I was studying, because I remember my summer break was pretty—you know, it was—it wasn't very. I didn't have a lot of social life that time or, you know, because my friends were mostly overseas or holidaying at that time and I was just pretty much at home. But Mm -hmm. having such a platform would have really helped me back then. So for any of our listeners, if you're interested in aligning yourself, if you're interested in collaborating with the project and and making use of the, the opportunities that's available, check out Solve Squad's website and you will be connected with an area of projects that are on offer. So, uh, Joseph, so what are some of the organizations that you have linked with through Salt Squad? Like if someone was to sign up, which type of organizations they would be seeing?
1: Yeah, so I believe one of the earliest organizations that connected with us was actually a multicultural or multi-cuisine restaurant uh, based in Melbourne, actually, called Yamtam. So they were really trying to obviously pivot their model From a physical location to online ordering service. But they realized a lot of people who are stuck at home also wanted to improve their culinary skills. So they started offering online cooking classes using Zoom and basically introduced a paid service where people could learn from, you know, professional chefs or even, you know, learn like beginning classes up to intermediate and advanced. So we helped them to to kind of promote their work uh, using social media and also to connect with other restaurants and uh, service providers where they could offer their skills as well and and their services online. So that was one of the earlier ones. We have expanded to different sectors now, um, not just the hospitality industry. So we have expanded to the education uh, sector as well. So we work with a number of different universities and we're also working with people in the mental health space, education and employment and also obviously in IT to help with um, technical service support and things like that. So there's a number of different organizations where individuals can connect and basically assist with the organization during COVID. Uh, one of our most popular ones has been through online mentoring programs. So we connected with an organization called y which basically offers one-to-one mentoring and resume editing and career service support as well, all online. And recently we connected with PwC as part of their Project Spirit campaign to basically advertise our services and collaborate using our platform as well.
0: That's quite an impressive list of clients who've got there. So a massive, massive opportunity for anyone looking to get involved in such and such projects. So moving on through Solve Squad, you might have seen gap of skills um, in some of the students and including international students. So according to you, which skills are going to be in most in demand in the current environment? How can international students prepare for it?
1: I think uh, at the moment, obviously, there's kind of a, a gap between a lot of the international students and what companies are looking for, which is why, you know, employment hasn't been as high in the last uh, 12 to 18 months so a lot of the international students we talk to you know their first sort of response or feedback we get from them is i don't have enough experience or i don't even have a resume where i can send them to employers or things like that to people who are overqualified because they have studied back home and they obviously come here and their credentials aren't valued or recognized so We try and come obviously in between both ends of the spectrum and we try and obviously focus on their skills. So a lot of the skills that employers are looking for is obviously the the number one thing is adaptability. So how can you take some of the skills maybe if you're in HR, you know, applying your people's skills to a different industry or if you're in IT, not so much being a, a technical developer, but maybe, you know, creating websites or digital marketing, things like that. Or even if you're with the traditional STEM sciences, how can you kind of use that in more of a practical application? For example, building apps or using your skills online to teach, using workshops and things like that. So we're trying obviously to focus on more practical applications of people's skills, and does look different from person to person. There is no one size fits all. But we obviously want to tailor our, our services to the individual. And I think because we're a small but growing team, we are able to focus more so on the individual when they apply are using our platform. But we obviously want to keep that model moving forward so that we can kind of customize our approach to the, to the individual as well.
0: Yep. And that's a fantastic thing because I hear a lot sometimes from students saying that they don't have, you know, especially the first job, it's quite difficult to find one if you don't have an Australian work experience, because there's so much, there are so many other students looking for a job at the same time. So the market can get quite competitive for one role. So if someone was to take these, the advantage of such opportunities, I think that would, that would really benefit them and get that resume, that, that experience on the resume. Absolutely. So, Joseph, tell me about how are you assisting people from refugee and immigrant background in your capacity as a board member of ARM Care?
1: I've been involved with ARM Care about a year and a half ago is when I first started on the board. So it was one of our first flagship projects with our hub here, with the World Economic Forum. So basically what we do with ARM Care is we provide governance and assistance with newly arrived refugees and migrants, especially those who who don't have access to services. So as you might know, a lot of a lot of people they aren't covered by by Medicare or you know they they have to pay extra for insurance and and basic medical assistance and and care. So we, what we actually do with the armed care is we have trained uh, doctors, psychologists, and disability support coordinators, who actually, instead of calling the migrants or the immigrant families to a particular office or location, we actually go into the community and provide, obviously, care and assistance at the homes of the of the community or the family in need. So we do often use translators if English isn't a first language for our clients, and uh, we are covered by... NDIS, as a official NDIS support provider, NDIS being the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So we've been operating for a number of years now, but in my capacity on the board, I've been representing the Indian community and obviously trying to bring more awareness for things that aren't talked about in terms of medical care. So things like mental health, substance abuse, some suicide prevention, things like that. And then obviously we refer particular communities or individuals and families to uh, support services that they can access free of charge, either through arm care or through referrals. So we've been working a lot with the uh, Queensland Health and also non-profit services to be able to, to support and provide those services as well.
0: That's such a noble cause. And especially from people from refugee and immigrant background, I think mental health is a huge one because coming from Southeast Asian background, I think there is a stereotyping and stigma around it and not everyone feels comfortable talking about it. So it's great to see that you're able to support such people and provide safe environment for them to speak up and seek help.
1: Yeah, it's been really eye opening. I think Especially over the last couple of years, because we've been trying to focus more on on young people, especially teenagers and second generation third generation migrants, which is also quite different from say first generation. so yeah, we obviously have to focus on intergenerational differences and challenges when we when we offer our services, but yeah being part of part of the organization has really helped to to shed light on those issues as well.
0: yeah, thanks for sharing that now my Second last question for you is that what's one positive impact that we are yet to see in the international student community and how do you think we can achieve that given that you have worked with international students and also people from migrant refugee background and diverse culture? So what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, well, something I haven't, I've been thinking about over the last couple of years actually, because I don't know if I've shared with you, but when I was an international student in in the U.S., I often kind of saw the the gaps in terms of services from a university perspective, but also from a societal perspective. I noticed these are very similar to uh, when I came back to Australia because I was more aware of those issues. I think the main one being when you're on campus and when you're part of you know a student body, you have a lot of different, I guess, access to student bodies and societies and things like that that cater more to international student perspective. Once you graduate or leave and you're not part of that community anymore, you you kind of distance yourself from certain services or, you know, a way of thinking or a mindset. So what I mean by that is sometimes international students, once they graduate or leave the university, they only look to serve people from their cultural community, which can become very ethnocentric. So as an example. Oftentimes, you know, Indian students will be part of Indian society but we won't think about connecting with people from a Southeast Asian perspective or perhaps a Chinese or or Japanese student community because we feel that the issues are quite different or the barriers or cultural barriers between us are so distant. And then when we go into the real world and start working and things like that, we take our similarities for granted. And I think that kind of comes with understanding we're, we're, we're like a melting pot Uh, of cultures and because we're so multicultural diverse especially here in Australia it's very hard to focus on the differences between each cultural community but working within a multicultural community I think you have to value the differences in order to appreciate the similarities so I feel that if there was a way for international students to care for other international students from a different cultural perspective once they get into the workforce whether you know it's through a side hustle where they provide services pro bono, or if they're thinking about, you know, starting a a cultural community group or a youth support service, or even an informal group where you know students from different cultural backgrounds can meet, you know, outside of work for hours or on the weekends, and just really share and have conversations and make friendships. I think those. There are spaces like that, but they're very informal. But I think creating like an intentional community, whether it's in the workplace or outside of it, would be really good because international students really understand what it is to go through that. And I think they're better equipped after they graduate to really care for that particular community as well. So I think, yeah, just um, creating those safe spaces for international students outside of the universities would be something that would be really great to see perhaps in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, and I think doing a project with Salt Squad is another way where you can meet other people from other universities or probably someone who's recently graduated and not from your, from your ethnic background and be able to work with them closely and be friends with them. I think that's another way.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And actually some of our volunteers who have joined us as part of Solve this year, are all recent graduates from multicultural communities. So I think it's, um yeah, it's a good reflection of, of what we can do. And I think a lot of the initiatives we're trying to increase in terms of our services have been put forward by our, our recent graduates as well. So, yeah, it's helped to make the, the platform a better initiative as
0: well. Alrighty, so coming to the last and the most fun question. So who inspires you and why?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I think in terms of inspiration, I do look up to a lot of people who are outside of Australia, actually. I think because a lot of my mindset when I was living in the U.S. is, you know, you're very much uh, forced to be innovative or creative or think outside of the box. So I did look up to people like, you know, Elon Musk when I was living in California. Well, a lot of the innovators who are, who are obviously... Developing different things for for people and society, just because you know they're young as well, and they, and they just had so many different ideas. So yeah, I, I would, I definitely say Elon Musk is one of them. In terms of like people from Australia, one of my one of my favorite people who I've spoken with on panels and things like that has been his name is uh, Jim Blackies. He actually helped develop some of a lot of the economic policies for indian communities here in australia and he's done a lot of work for the community as well and he's been recognized by the by the order of australia and things like that so yeah he's been the inspiration for me and i think like a lot of young people i see in the community now especially starting their own startups or things like that have been an inspiration to me and it's kind of why i wanted to really expand some as well so um I definitely think, you know, people like that who are able to serve their communities in in innovative uh, ways are definitely an inspiration.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And you're doing quite an inspiring work yourself, Joseph, through Soul Squad and the other initiatives of World Economic Forum – and in arm care as well so i wish you all the best for your initiatives and hopefully all our listeners can draw some inspiration from what you mentioned and be able to connect with you on linkedin if they have any further questions from you with your projects as well
1: yeah thank you and i appreciate being part of the the podcast really thank you for
0: that. thank you